just outstanding, just outstanding. What an opportunity to worship and be together this morning. Thank you so much for your gifts and talents and sharing them with us uh, here, here and now. I bring you grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This week you're supposed to be talking about gratitude and thankfulness and all those things and there's uh, some points where preaching a sermon on gratitude and being happy and hope and all that stuff is, is kind of easy and then there's some points where it's really, really hard and this Tuesday and Wednesday it was really, really hard and, and I'm like, come on now, get, you know, Tim, get, get out of your own mind, get, get going, have some faith, have some confidence and, and I just kept kind of mulling over all these negative things in, in, in my own mind. I was anxious about how the calendar was rolling out because June, July, no big deal, but August is huge for us at St. John's. I began to worry and be anxious about school starting on site and what that would look around. And if we don't start on site, how people will stick around and will the county give us the waiver to start school on site and how can I control that? And, and I worry as a pastor about the anxiety that's all throughout the culture in our own St. John's community, people who are so anxious and, and, and no margins to have any more anxiety with work and job and pandemic and social unrest. And, and in some cases, they struggle so much, they do dramatic things. and It just creates a sense of pain in their own families and, and for those who know, know and love them. So about Wednesday, I got everything figured out. I had my heart kind of put back together and all of those things. And, and I got a phone call on my way into St. John's and they said, hey, just want you to know we had a burglar. And I'm like, great, right? When it rains, it pours. Thank you, God, just what we needed, a burglar. So the burglar had come in to, to, to my office and, and to my side. He had stolen all sorts of stuff. He took my computer and some things that are you know, able easily to be replaced. But he took two things that kind of ticked me off. And I can say he because we saw him on the video camera. That was fascinating. He took my new, son, my new glasses. And those glasses are of absolutely no use to anybody but me because they're prescription, sun, not sun, prescription glasses. So today, I've got my old glasses, which are my cheapies, which maybe I just need to stick with that because every time I get a pair of new glasses, they're left somewhere or stolen. And this morning, I reached for a pencil from my pencil box that I got from a friend. It was probably a $2 thing. <laughs> but he stole my pencil box. I'm like, you've got to be nuts. All that stuff was useless to him, and he took it anyway. And it wasn't a big dollar amount. It was just that it was so... And I tried to put everything back together, and, and then I went for a bike ride, and I, I watched my buddy go down the hill before me, and all I saw before he hit the ground with a thud was his bike tire going up over him, and that's never a good thing. And he gets up and brushes himself off, and I think I can do it. I can go right down the same hill. And I fell the exact same way, the exact same time, kind of cut up and bruised today a little bit, but more my ego than anything, anything else. Sounds like griping and moping and feeling sorry for myself. 
I'm reminded that when we raised our children, we had a strong no griping, no moping, and no feeling sorry for yourself policy in our family. And I hope it's going to be the same with our grandson. I have great confidence that it's going to be the same way with my grandson. Because the way of griping and whining and moping is the way of negativity, depression, and helplessness. And as Christian people, we find our hope in God's Word, in the Scriptures, because that's what works and that's what we hold on to. It's that power, that strength of the Word of God, of His faithfulness to His promise that leads us out of that negativity and fear and leads us into a sense of hope and a future. This morning in our text from Acts chapter 4 that Marco read fits beautifully with what Katrina read from Matthew chapter 5. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are set into prison for preaching the name of Jesus Christ. People are following, people are getting it, and they get out of jail for doing that. They're sprung from the huska, and they go right back to doing the same thing. They didn't visit a a parole or probation officer. They went right back to the town square, right back to where the people were and said, this Jesus, this gospel, this good news, this is what it's all about. And the politicians at the moment, the politicians at the time, if they think the church of Jesus Christ right now is subversive, they had nothing on Peter and John. These men were changing the world underneath their feet by proclaiming Jesus Christ is Lord. We hear about the government doing this and that in our time, about religious persecution because we can't gather together. As political leaders... Herod and Pontius Pilate had conspired to kill Jesus. And the government hadn't stopped trying to quash the movement of the teachings of the man from Nazareth, Jesus. And the scripture doesn't record that Peter and John sat quietly griping to one another about what was going on. They didn't look back whining about how they didn't have this and they didn't have that and jail was so tough. They didn't feel sorry for themselves. There's not one scripture recorded in the book of Acts where it says, and the disciples gathered together to feel sorry for themselves. Rather, there's a wonderful peace through Christ that is in Peter and John. And every time they were called to hush and be quiet, they came out stronger speaking the word of God. And it wasn't long, shorter than the sermon I'm preaching today. Peter says in verse 12, his his sermon, his message is all wrapped up in this little piece. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by which we are saved. And again, he gets after that gospel message. This Jesus whom you crucified, this Jesus is both Lord and Christ. This Jesus, this name in which the disciples spoke, this name, Yeshua, Yahweh saves It's that name that leads us to the mission of Jesus. The Lord saves. This Jesus whom you crucified, this Jesus never quit, never gave up, never moped, never griped. Always loved, always cared, always identified, always forgave, always called people to himself. That was his mission. The mission of of forgiveness and the reconciliation of humanity with God and of people with one another. That same name that gathered people in that dirt little 
place in Jerusalem gathers us together today here in Walker Hall Auditorium, in our homes, in our campsites, in our recreation, in all of those pieces of life. We are called as Christians. The name of Jesus is upon you and me. The name Jesus was placed upon us in our baptism. The name Jesus is what guides our lives. On those days where outside forces say, hey, you're not who I say you are. You're a a victim of circumstance. On those moments where the inside of our mind says, yeah, I'm a function of my falls and failures. We're reminded today that we belong to Jesus. And it's the name Jesus under which we live. It's the name Jesus that calls us and identifies us and delivers God's grace from the cross to us. Jesus. You belong to Jesus. So there's a confidence and a hope in that that is supernatural. In Acts chapter 4, beginning at verses, verse 29, the people of God prayed. They spoke the word of God to one another. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done. They didn't mope and retreat, but they prayed, they spoke the word, and they advanced. And the Holy Spirit was with them as they spoke the word of God boldly. So go back to my Tuesday and Wednesday, right? Big Tim feeling sorry for himself. All the stuff snowballing, all the what-ifs, all the negativity. For me, what goes with that is anger and anxiety. And And I've learned as a 56-year-old man how to kind of redirect my thinking and put the best pieces of life before my heart that then changes my attitude so there's no moping and no griping. Now, I can't do it with the turn of a switch. i got to do it over the course of a couple hours. But it's a sense of gratitude that drives that sense of happiness and contentment for me. Grateful to be a grandpa, grateful for the loyalty of my daughter, my son and his family, of my wife. Grateful for St. John's and what God is doing here and now and how God is moving and how His Spirit is having its way in our church. I'm grateful for God's generosity towards me and my family and our ministry and grateful for an ordered heart instead of chaos. And somehow what comes to mind for me is the Scripture and God's Word. In my soul, it's just kind of a repository of Bible verses. Some are from the catechism learned when I was a child. Some are from a lifetime of singing hymns and praise songs. Some were drilled into my skull by my parents and my grandparents. So the Word of God moves in my heart and quietly speaks to me. And it's in those moments of peace and tranquility where I hear God in His Word speaking who I am and what I'm all about and that it's going to be all right. I wonder if that's a part of your piety, if that's a part of what you do. You see, more powerful than any news source, more powerful and longer lasting than any Twitter feed or social media stuff is the Word and the promise of God. Sometimes I wish it would happen that 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 ground would shake like it did with the first disciples. It said the ground shake, the ground shook, and they spoke the word of God to one another. Maybe we should try that this morning. Speak the word of God to one another. 
If you're in your home, you can read right along with me on the screen. If you're camping this morning, I mean, by all means, pass the iPad or the, or the phone over. If you're maybe at a baseball tournament or whatnot, somewhere that's still having baseball tournaments, you can turn this on. People might think you're a little crazy, but I'll guarantee you after we speak the Word of God together, you'll be a little more confident and a little bit more peaceful. Because as we speak this Word of God together, it's an opportunity to refocus. So just a warm up, as you're sitting with one another, look at the person closest to you and say, I'm going to speak the Word of God to you. I'm going to speak the Word of God of God to you. If you're on your own, you can speak right back to the TV, to the iPad, to the phone, whatever. Speak right back and read these words with me. That's my grandson right there. He's a week and about two more days old and one of the neatest blessings in my whole life. Crew Timothy Klinkenberg, eight and a half pounds, about 20 inches long and full of love and grace born into a no-moping, no-griping zone and had the Word of God spoken to him from the moment he was conceived. Let's speak the Word of God to one another. I invite you to join me in this. Let's read this together. Read it where you're at. Read it with heart. Follow along with me. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Paul writes that he doesn't think, he doesn't feel. He says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. Speak the word of God to me. How about this from Acts chapter 10? Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts people from every nation and all those who fear Him and does what is right. Acts 10, 34 and 35. Speak the word of God to me this morning from Galatians chapter 3, 26 to 28. Join me. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Those are words of God that transform the world. We are one in Christ. Speak the word of God to me. From Philippians chapter 2, the words of our praise song this morning Beginning at verse 9, please read with me at home or wherever you're at. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name above every other name. Speak the word of God with me this morning from Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 and 44. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Words that transform the world and the way people think and mark those who follow Jesus. And for those who've lost loved ones, and it seems like that's been a pretty long list these days, the word of the Lord from heaven, from John's revelation, chapter 7, verse 17. 
for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Speak the word of God to me. From Matthew 28, the very end of Matthew's gospel, the very end of verse 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Oh, that the ground would shake. That your hearts would be stirred and your confidence and hope would wipe away what a moping and what a griping culture would seek to embed in your heart. So to counter that negativity, we speak the word of God to one another. Oh, that the ground would shake, that all the griping and moping would cease, that God's word would be embedded in our hearts and that it would lead us and form us. That we may rely on God and put our trust and our confidence in Him. In the name of Jesus, amen.